1: Good morning, everyone. It's Friday, February twenty-fifth, and you are listening to the Hustle Daily Show. I'm Zachary Crockett. I'm here with our daily writer, Juliet Bennett Ryla. Hey. Thanks for joining, Julia. Thanks. And we've also got our social media manager, Nicole Phillips, with us. Good to have you back on, Nicole. Thanks for having me. So we had a completely different episode planned for today, but some very important news developed yesterday. Russia launched a full scale invasion of Ukraine. Now, this is a monumental historical event, and this story has a lot of very complex elements to it. International relations, foreign policy, warfare, geopolitics. We just want to say up top here that we are not experts on any of these things. We're a business and technology-focused media outlet. But in the early hours of this conflict, it's become apparent that social media is going to play a very big role in how we're all going to receive and interpret the events unfolding in Ukraine. So today, we're going to talk about what we're seeing play out on social, how Ukrainians are leveraging digital platforms to share these stories, and also some of the longstanding complications of social channels serving as real-time sources of news. And just a note for our regular listeners, we're also going to be skipping the daily news rundown today, and we're going to focus solely on Ukraine. Nicole, I'd like to start off with you here. You are more plugged into social than anyone I know. and I'm wondering if you can just give us a bit of a digital dispatch. Uh, What kind of stories are we seeing play out on channels like TikTok and Twitter right now?
2: Yeah, so when coming to the situation that's unfolding right now in Ukraine, many of us saw the alerts on our phone last night that came after weeks of buildup that President Vladimir Putin of Russia has ordered an invasion of Ukraine. Now, people in the region on social media are sharing videos of the attack to TikTok. And at no other era in history have we been able to see war, attacks, invasions happen in real time like we are right now and like we have in some recent events of the past. Sure. And you can't ignore this on the other side of the world. On TikTok, there are videos of tanks, and civilians are there before the news cameras get there. Sure. We're seeing rockets falling, being shot in real time. And then on Twitter, we see the Kiev Independent sharing real-time information as it comes for the entire social media world to see. Hmm. The publication El País, which is a Madrid publication, they pointed out something that I found very intriguing, that usual intelligence gathering for things like this, where are the troops? Where are they deployed? What vehicles are they using? That usually requires intelligence gathering. But now we're seeing this just by looking at TikTok. Hmm. We can see that they have tanks before the CIA or however it works on the ground there has to go out and figure out they're the different information that they need in order to do the reconnaissance. We can look on TikTok. We can look on Twitter. We can look on Instagram to get this information. And that's what we're seeing unfold right now.
1: I think a lot of people feel that this new sort of real time citizen reporting is both good and bad it's obviously good because like you said we get first-hand accounts and narratives from people on the ground that are often maybe misportrayed or overlooked by western media outlets but it also really opens up the door for the spread of disinformation juliet disinformation particularly when it comes to big global events like this is obviously a longstanding issue for social platforms they've tried to make a lot of strides on this front It's obviously resulted in congressional hearings and all kinds of things in the wake of the elections. But what are some of the efforts that we've seen to combat this right now with the invasion of Ukraine?
3: So one thing that's happening right now is we're seeing a lot of open source intelligence. And what that is, is it's essentially information that's derived from publicly available data. So in this case, that could be satellite imagery. You know, they were able to see Russian troops assembling at the Ukraine border via satellite. You could look at CCTV footage, uh, images posted to social media, anything like that that's publicly available is used to create open source intelligence. These communities of research and analysts, they're often active on Twitter. They detail conflicts in real time, and they combat information by verifying these sources. Hmm. So let's say someone shares an image. They might work to geolocate it, make sure that it's coming from where people are saying it's coming from. Hmm. So a couple examples As tensions were sort of mounting around all of this, researchers were able to look at public railway databases in Russia. Those have since been shut down. You cannot look at them anymore, but they were able to see what trains were traveling where and what type of things they might be carrying. There was also a claim that a briefing between Putin and his security council was broadcast live, and they were able to determine that it wasn't, they like zoomed in and were able to analyze participants' wristwatches and see what time it actually was. Wow. There was one instance where some pro-Russia people posted a video and they were like, oh, this is Ukraine attacking. And then these analysts were able to look at the footage and say like, okay, but this audio seems to be coming from a different, much older video. So we doubt that this is an actual true video. So it's, it's kind of things like that.
1: There was kind of also some drama around some of these accounts being accidentally banned, right?
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that happened on Twitter right as everything was just kicking off. A lot of the users were these researchers and analysts and uh, open source intelligence reporters. They actually thought they had been targeted by Russian bots that reported their content and led Twitter's algorithms to automatically remove it. Around the same time, the Ukrainian government was experiencing a lot of cyber attacks, so it kind of all made sense. Twitter has since admitted that the accounts were suspended accidentally, that there was no evidence of them violating any terms of service. Sure. Uh, But they also say there wasn't a bot attack, that it was a human error that led to these accounts being suspended, which is kind of unfortunate because here they are tweeting the information in real time that is important for us to know. And yet, you know, they were banned from the platform.
1: Well, that raises another question. Nicole, a lot of people think that these platforms have just created these magical algorithms to detect disinformation. There's obviously a lot of gray area, and ultimately, these aren't just magical algorithms working on the back end. These decisions are made by individuals.
2: We've seen the reports from the Facebook whistleblower discussing the downfalls of Facebook's attempt to address disinformation that they weren't doing as much as they claim to be doing. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult when you are just humans trying to tarse through the millions of accounts, perhaps even billions of accounts on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It creates this sort of existential question about social as a whole. Right. Sure. While 10 years ago, we wouldn't have have been seeing headlines like TikTok reacts to the situation in Ukraine or right, right. Twitter responses to XYZ. That was never a thing. And it's so cool that we have that sort of access Social media, at its inception, it didn't plan to be this news outlet. It didn't plan to be an aggregate of news sourcing. Mm -hmm. But that's where young people are getting their information. They're getting it on social. They are not even going to click an article. They're going to just read headlines or read the 240-character tweets. And then that leads to the larger issue that a lot of these social platforms are kind of trying to address from behind right now because this Mm -hmm. wasn't the original point for their creation. They have actually become, in some cases, for many people, legitimate news sources, and they have to try to figure out a way to combat this disinformation. Right now, for instance, if you look at Twitter and their curation tabs, how they have the news and entertainment and all of that, Mm -hmm. they work with legitimate news sources to curate credible information for the masses. Mm. So you'll see information from the New York Times or whomever talking about Ukraine to try to combat what's going to be difficult for them to remove from the platform, which is the abundance of disinformation just coming from all of these random accounts. Mm-hmm. Since it's going to be difficult for regular humans to try to track these down and, and and take them down, it seems like the other option is let's provide them with the proper information to actually give them what they need to know from these outlets that have already been seen as credible. We know they have been vetted. Here's where you're going to see it now.
1: Sure. I mean, some of these cases are maybe a little bit easier than others to parse out. You know, I think there was a story about a screenshot from Call of Duty being shared as an actual dispatch from the ground in Ukraine. Others are a little hazier. Like you said, when it's just a massive pool of individuals that we're relying on for news, the problem of vetting becomes a lot more complex.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, these social media platforms didn't expect to be the arbiters of free speech or to have the responsibility that they do right now. So they're navigating some pretty difficult waters, especially since 2016, when we all sort of realized just how robust the disinformation network was on a lot of these social platforms. And if you think about it, it's only been five six years since then they're still trying to figure things out twitter does do its best to aggregate content from the reputable sources the trending topics trying to provide better context for people but there's still a lot of work left to be done as you can see we just discussed accounts that are actually doing good work accidentally getting suspended when they're actually trying to to be the opposite of disinformation they're actually trying to help fact check and we're seeing that those accounts are getting suspended so it's not a perfect science. I was reading on Protocol that House Democrats have actually introduced a bill to create a new tech bureau within the FTC, And it's basically supposed to create a Bureau of Digital Services Oversight and Safety that's supposed to be staffed by about 500 technologists, lawyers, and other experts. And they're going to figure out some rules and requirements to help mitigate the risks of these online platforms. So at this point, it's almost as though the government's kind of like, we gave you guys a chance to try to figure out how to regulate yourselves. (laughs) And it seems like maybe we need to jump in. Sure. Is that the best course of action? Who's to say? But that's how serious this has gotten When you think about 2008, 2009, when we all made our first Twitters and we're just saying, so-and-so had lunch today, or whatever nonsense we were tweeting, who knew we would get to where we're at right now? Mm
3: Right.
2: Right.
0: He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies and Work wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Sure. Yeah. And stepping back and kind of contextualizing all this with what's unfolding in Ukraine right now. You know, it may seem fairly innocent to just see an inaccurate post every now and then on on Twitter, but all of this taken together shapes our perception. Like you said, greater number of people are turning to social media to not just get their entertainment, but to get factual news reporting. So, Mm -hmm.
2: yeah, you can even see it on some, if you look on Instagram and you see the length of captions from news outlets, the captions are getting longer and longer. They're giving more of the story because they understand that less and less people are going to leave that platform to go to another site to read more. So they actually are realizing we have to give more information Here, more context here, because this is where people are saying. So we've also kind of
1: seen a very vocal and direct response from Ukraine's official Twitter account.
2: Yeah, just a few hours ago, they actually tweeted to Twitter to remove the official Russia account. They said there is no place For an aggressor like Russia on Western social media platforms. They should not be allowed to use these platforms to promote their image while brutally killing the Ukrainian people. And they tag both Twitter and Twitter support. It's pretty interesting for them to make a call like this. And I do wonder what Twitter's actually going to do. They have a history of making bold moves like this. We mm-hmm. saw that they did suspend former President Donald Trump's Twitter account after they accused him of spreading misinformation. Mm-hmm. And they said that they have the right to do so as a uh, private company. And they did it.
3: Right. And we saw this with COVID misinformation. People who still to this day think COVID never happened, that it's a hoax. We had a lot of vaccine misinformation. And then it's like. How responsible are you to make sure your platform doesn't share misinformation during a pandemic that results in more people dying than Mm -hmm. would have if they were not exposed to that misinformation?
2: Can you actually stop misinformation?
3: We know that
2: it's not really done with AI. It's not an easy job to be done with AI. Maybe you can flag certain words, but there are also going to be certain things that you just need a human eye on. And then you have all these different platforms. And is it even realistic that they can actually put a stop to it? Or should they focus more so on combating it in the sense, which is what Twitter is kind of
3: doing with aggregating these credible news sources? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess in that way, it's almost like the only thing that you can use to combat misinformation is the truth and trying to say the truth louder than the misinformation. But a lot of the places that are spreading misinformation well, they are AI, they're bots that uh, just automatically respond to things or show up uh, where you least expect them. You know, you can tweet about something totally benign and then a bot's conjured by a word and then it's like, oh, well, here's this piece of misinformation. And so it's like, it's very difficult. They have a lot of tools to spread misinformation.
1: Sure. And obviously there was so much discussion around the interference of Russian bots in the United States election. Mm -hmm. But now that the conflict is centered in Eastern Europe... It's almost hard to fathom how much more forceful that interference is going to be when it's closer to home for Russia. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening to the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. I'm Zachary Crockett. Big thanks to Juliet and Nicole for talking through all of this today. And shout out to our producer, Darren Clark. You might not hear him on the show, but he is truly a behind the scenes wizard. If you liked what you heard today, we've got a lot more tech and business coverage over at the hustle.co. Stay safe and we'll catch you all next week.